Come on, Jenky. It's checkout time. Nobody's going to miss Max Jenky, especially Detective Lucas McCarthy. Glad you could make it, cop. He was born bad and stayed that way. <laughs> Nobody's going to miss Max Janky. We sent 50,000 volts of juice through that scum. Looks pretty dead to me, Professor. Because he hasn't gone anywhere. Lucas, I'm coming back to tear your world apart. You're dreaming! I thought you were dead. Vinny. No! I told you I'd be back. If you thought Freddy was a howl. Funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio today. <laughs> and Jason was a scream. I got a present for you. Wait till you meet Max. Not even close. He's a cut above the rest. <laughs> The Horror Show. This is just the beginning. <laughs> I head into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. Barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a guy. You're the critic. That's why you got more notes than me. Stop insulting me, Mark. <laughs> My apologies, sir, and welcome, <laughs> welcome everyone to the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up the chair, and grabbing your favorite drink as we take a look at a 1989 film. It's our last Hendrickson Hendrickson experience. Uh, not Hendrickson, that was from Species, but no, Hendrickson uh, <laughs> experience, and it is The Horror Show, a.k.a. House 3. I Wow, that still boggles my mind, even just saying it right now, House 3, The Horror Show. But, yes, it is a Hendrickson experience episode, and we have with us tonight uh, the one and only Master from wherever uh, <laughs> i i lost it like i'm a fibber it, mark i'm a you, fibber. you're you're a fibber and if you're from wisconsin you know exactly what that means but he's with us once again mr ian simmons hello ian how are you <laughs> that's how i'm doing you hear a lot of that tonight folks because i can't get good, that damn laugh out of my head that's a good byron that's a good byron james laugh that was that was very good i like that uh you, you could you could do some voice acting now see 
And she is with us as well. What better person to have with us to talk about a film from 1989 than from the horror retrospective? It is none other than Kara. Hello, Kara. How are you? Doing okay. A <laughs> little bit of allergies in the throat, but I'm all right. <laughs> oh, hopefully it's just allergies. And uh, hey. so, glad- <laughs> so glad you could join us. Uh, but yeah, uh, the horror show, aka House Three, which, like I was telling Ian uh, just before he popped in, I it's boggling my mind. This was this was House Three because given the first two House films, watching this one now, the the tone and the type of film this is, it just like, huh? Tonight I'll do the synopsis. Of- wait, wait, but Mark, in that synopsis, are you going to explain how the hell this connects to house? There's a house. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's I haunt- think it goes with like the whole um, when it went overseas, how they rename and renumber movies. So they probably assumed it was part of a different series. <laughs> it's different. All right. Yeah. Well, initially it was titled House 3. It was intended to be the sequel, if I remember with the trivia. And, and Kara can definitely correct me on it. But they chose to try to not associate it with that franchise and make it stand on its own. And that's why they made it the horror show. Um, It's a horror. All right. (laughs) Ah, yeah. MGM. Uh, That's what it was. They wanted a fresh start with a potentially new series with a new iconic villain. So the script was modified to reflect the new approach. And it was retitled the horror show for the U S theatrical release. While, uh, foreign markets still did it as House Three, so they MGM wanted to take it in a new direction. And the story, I'll I'll try to do the synopsis here. Uh, let me see if. Uh, uh, well, this film borrows from many other movies. Stop me if you heard this before, but we have Lance Hendrickson who plays a detective who's tracking down a very uh, vicious uh, serial killer. Uh, the Meat Cleaver Killer, uh, Meat Cleaver Max, played by Byron James. And we catch up with our detective, who has a bit of a flashback as we get to see uh, the events unfold of how he finally caught this crazy killer and the psychological effect it's had on him. Well, at the execution, well, the things are just heating up, literally, to where it takes (laughs) nearly 10 minutes, apparently, though not on screen, uh, for our killer to die in the electric chair. And he says, I'm coming after you. Uh, this is just the start of the hell I'm going to put your life through. Uh, to he was Mr. talking L- to us, by the way. He was <laughs> 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 talking about uh, Lance Hendrickson's uh, Detective Lucas McCarthy. So, uh, and uh, the the Meat Cleaver Max, they call him Meat Cleaver Max. He's Max Jenke. And so then after uh, he dies in the electric chair and then out of the electric chair and just caught fire and burned to death. Uh, <laughs> a strange professor with this theory about life after death due, through electrocution um, comes up with this theory that he's not actually dead. And they're like, you're crazy. And then while he's in the morgue, he's trying to do some research and lo and behold, a ghost rises from the corpse of Mr. Uh, <laughs> Max. And we cut back to our detective and his family who are then terrorized by 
the ghost of Max. At one point, Detective Lucas McCarthy gets uh, set up by the ghost of Max for the death of his daughter's boyfriend, which is the most wafer-thin case I've ever seen. <laughs> he deals with an asshole AI guy who immediately wants our guy in the electric chair. And yeah, it deals with a confrontation with said ghost at the end as he plays off of a theory to try to bring the ghost into the real world to kill Meet Cleaver Max again in the real world. <laughs> and we see how it unfolds and how it affects his family. And wow. Just um, wow. Which I'm going to say right now. And we're going to jump around here a bit. You're not going to defend this movie, are you, Mark? <laughs> I will say the house three part comes in at the end in the final act when we get our man uh lance hendrickson our, our lucas mccarthy and he actually goes into a different world where the oh, dead yeah. byron lives and he's in this kind of almost nightmare on elm street type-esque dream world which is consistent with the other two but it's not really evident that this is what's really going on and if you haven't seen the other two house films you would know or you might not even care that this is where the link is but that's about the only similarity yeah i honestly thought that i had like missed something towards the end because at one point they're in the house and then they're like in a boiler room then a power plant and then they're back in the house i realized by the time i got back of the house that there was like a dimensional jump or something, but I was seriously was like, wait, did I miss a driving scene or something like that? I only looked away from the screen for a second and I'm like, where the hell am I? Yeah, it, it's it's not too evident. And uh Cara, I, I was wondering your 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 feeling. Do you do you see that that's the only real connection with this movie to the other two house films is this ending where we kind of move into the uh death world or whatever it's called? I'd, I'd say that's that's the shoestring of it. There, mm -hmm. there really doesn't seem to be too much that that would reference or or tie it back to the the original. Um, right. It's it's just it's probably <laughs> about as this film is probably good enough to where you can double feature it with I think Critters Three, the one with Angela Bassett in it, and they'd pair well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good old Curtis Three with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. What Curtis Three? Yeah, I think I stopped after two. Oh, oh I man, there's four. You know, what, Angela Bassett and Leo DiCaprio are in a Critters movie together <laughs> in outer space. Oh, that's four. Yeah, four was outer space. Three. Okay, was, then I'm uh, thinking the fourth one. Then. Yep, you're thinking Angela Bassett was in the fourth one. Critters four. Uh, Critters three was uh, the apartment complex with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, a young Leonardo DiCaprio, um, around his uh, Gilbert Great years. Um, <laughs> Has anyone done like a cartoon of who's eating Gilbert Grape with a critter like gnawing on his arm? No, but now we we should. You're an artist. Uh, there you go. You probably Thank make you. some bank on that. Uh, he'll, just be, he'll just be going, I could go at any time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know, I could fit on that door. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just move over a little. This water is cold. The but, door the merrier. <laughs> Sorry. Door the merrier. But back to this film. So, I mean, the film opens with a flashback 
because he stares at a furnace because the furnace door opens our McCarthy. Um, this is before the haunting, which makes you think the house is still haunted already. Um, and we get the flashback and that's probably the most horrific thing in this film is the, the scene where he, he decapitates the, the young, the young woman. Uh, but you know, Cara, what'd you think about this opening of this film? It, it's just awkward. I think. Um, I mean, especially once we get into like the dream sequence stuff, I thought that was pretty well played. Like they, mm -hmm. they keep throwing twists at you. You don't really know what to expect. So um, some are like a little bit obvious, but I, I don't know. I kind of like the way the movie teases with your head. Mm -hmm. well, at least in the first beginning part, it definitely teases that I, I think, you know, it slows a little bit in the middle, but yeah. And um, then after that, they just couldn't give the milk away. Ian, <laughs> <laughs> nice. like what'd you think about the start of this film? Does it start off strong? No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. No, it's just, it's, it's such a puzzlement because I didn't know, like, okay, first of all, the, okay, it's produced by Sean Cunningham of Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. score by Harry Manfredini, also Friday the 13th. Yes. Uh, it was directed by James Isaac. I don't know, but Alan Smithy is quoted as being one of the co screenwriters of this. Yes. That's never a good sign. Yeah, because one of the, I forgot which writer it is. Uh, I think it was the Alan Warren uh, did not want their name associated with yeah. it. <laughs> Rightfully so. so. But no, I mean, that's the thing is like, if you take a shot every time someone goes down to the basement in this movie, I mean, <laughs> literally, there are literally like 12 scenes where someone goes down to the basement. I might even be being generous here. It's just, it's so cheap looking. It's mostly one location. You know, you could say there's actually two houses, but you know, whoop de doo It's all just so dark. Um, my biggest problem with this is that I never figured out the rules of Mr. Janky, or as I like to call him, Mr. Janky, because that's what this whole you know, production was. <laughs> uh, okay. He, we find out later that he has, he had an electric chair in his home. And he would practice dosing himself with electricity to build up the tolerance so that when he went to the electric chair, he would be able to withstand the electrocution. And then the scientist guy who wants to study evil and electricity, he discovers that Max isn't really dead. And yet we see this electric spirit apparition come out of, you know, from under the sheet or whatever. And then also all these characters, the detectives' family, start having hallucinations and seeing things. What are this guy's powers? And are they, you know, at, at the end, it seems clear that uh, the detective needs to kill Max, but I'm pretty sure he's already dead because he's flying around outside his body and affecting all this stuff. I, I understand Freddy Krueger, all right? I don't understand Max Jenke. Can anyone help me out here? Um... Kara, can you help? <laughs> I got nothing. I, there's no rules set. He's he's horror film vomit. <laughs> it's a mix of everything. It does. This film borrows from so many things, not just Nightmare on Elm Street, but just, I mean, take your pick of horror, crime, thriller. It, it hits all the, the, you know, the detective getting... Uh, you know, framed. I I just I could believe uh, trying to wrap my head around 
Well, he dosed himself with electricity to get himself a tolerance of it. I'm like, that's not how electricity works. And honestly, the the one of the many problems with this is we get the kind of hallucinatory sequences, the flashbacks, yeah. the illusions, you know, with Henriksen's character. But then when it comes time to the actual execution, I'm like, is this real? Because he's his body is transforming in that chair. He's hulking out and he's getting horribly burned. He rips out of the restraints and like lunges forward. Everyone's screaming and he's like standing there threatening Henriksen, who to his care, his credit wields a folding chair more effectively than a gun. Uh, but I'm like, okay, at what point is he going to wake up? Like, oh, no, shit, this is in the real world. No, this doesn't work at all. What? The electric chair seed that, that was in the real world. You That's know, what I'm it, saying. Is yeah. it, but it plays like... Oh, that plays like a fantasy, a, yeah. He, he turns yeah. into a, like a cartoon monster. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is the part where Henriksen wakes up again or something. I did like where he wakes up and he's like strangling his wife at one point. He's like freaking out and then he wakes up again. He's strangling his wife because janky like poses as his wife in the bed with the wig and everything yeah (laughs) (laughs) with the wig and everything (laughs) i will give this movie credit it at least steals from videodrome which is one of the more obscure references but i also love the bit where they're doing it because henriksen's pulling his stomach apart but you can clearly see they set up these David Byrne like seven foot long shoulder pads on either side <laughs> to get the gag and his scrawny hands are coming in from either side. It's like the most awkward thing ever. Yeah, because there's a scene where early on, uh, as Ian mentioned uh, in one of the dream sequences, the axe, the, the meat cleaver comes down on his chest. And then later on, he finds out there's still some blood there. And in fact, it comes up in his therapy session, which he has right after that going, hey, what are you doing to yourself when he's trying to convince the shrink? Hey, let me back out of the force. And then he's like, what's that blood on your chest? He's like, Oh, that, that's nothing. That's, that's, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't the therapist, the, um, the detective from the incredible Hulk TV show. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that, that's one plus in the column. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, later on, it comes into effect that he's got the nightmare scene and it. He, it's opening up again. Uh, and you could clearly tell a Lance is in the closet because he goes up against this closet. Hey, door. that was never proven. He, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What <laughs> he's in this, this closet door and he's hanging. You can obviously tell he's half hanging out of the door and there's this fake body that he's, I mean, it's so evident. I'm like, wow, they couldn't even do prosthetics at all on just his regular chest. No, they, <laughs> This is like six years after Videodrome. Come on. <laughs> it is six years after Videodrome. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, it's it's such a mishmash watching this film. I'm just like, I could see hints of where the original House 3 script was. It looks like, you know, the studios, I think, really did it a disservice trying to tailor it to be something new. Because, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Byron James. I love him as, as a villain guy, you know, as just, you know, or occasionally the good guy, like in fifth element, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He's actually a good guy. But in this one, his character, yeah, there's really no rules. Kara, can you, can you figure out any rules at all with this character? Cause he appears to be in the real world, but also dream world, but not really. I, I couldn't figure it out. 
I I don't really get the the switch back. Like I get lost in the the transition. Like is is it still a dream or is this actually happening? And then that's that's kind of like why I was saying it kind of teases with your head because you don't know what's what, and then it's I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because. You know, and again, I go back to the other two house films because this was kind of intended to be the house, you know, another one. And the other two, all the weird, freaky shit happened in the house. So even though you had a guy manifest himself, uh, Richard Mull was the original Vietnam guy uh, opposite William Catt in the original. And he did come into the real world in the house, though. In the second one, uh, you know, Cliffy finds the portal to the uh, Amazon uh, world where they're going to sacrifice a girl. Yes, I've watched those two films many times, okay? Um, but it's all within the house. None of the crazy stuff that happens is outside of the house. Yet here in this film, we've got Hank, you know, Janky, and he's in the detective office. He breaks the table. You know, he he's showing up elsewhere. And you're like, How? But not always. <laughs> no, I want to. I want to know how. Okay, Henriksen is playing a, a McCarthy, right? He's a detective. Yeah. He's been on the force yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's in an interrogation room. An incredibly tall guy in a trench coat, who looks exactly <laughs> like Byron James, except he doesn't have the mustache. Or whatever he's like. Oh, excuse me. I'm Doctor So and So. I need to ask you some well, questions. He, he's his court-appointed attorney, is what he was. Yes, yeah, okay, what, he that's what it was. Yeah, he pointed as is. Yeah, but it wasn't. Court- the, I I did a better accent. Like, hey, I'm I'm your court-appointed attorney. <laughs> I'm not an undead serial killer. You might be expecting, Governor. <laughs> um, yeah, it just none of it works. The only yeah. thing I liked from that scene was that. I think it was Louis Arquette, mm-hmm. who was the father of Patricia and, you know, uh, yeah. all the Arquettes. David, uh, he was one of the cops in the room. Yeah. He looked, looked very young. I was yeah. like, holy shit, is that Louis Arquette? <laughs> and then I tuned back out. Yeah. And, Carl, what'd you think of the professor's storyline? They really, they add like this is going to be a major part of the film, and the guy's like non existent for most of it. Are we talking about the guy who was studying the electrical theory? Or, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he just came off as a quack. I did <laughs> pretty much a throwaway character. I don't remember much about him other than what are you? What are you on? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a, like a less healthy version of Jeffrey Combs from The Frighteners. Yeah, well, no, he did look like Jeffrey Combs. He reminded me. I'm like, at first, I'm like, wait, is that Jeffrey Combs? I'm like, no, that's not. That's that's great value, Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's, you know, he's trying to be like one of those characters. And you think the whole idea of the electricity and him studying, and you'd think he'd show up and help the detective, you know, you know, uh, team up. Uh, but no, he did the, the the professor guy like disappears forever until our detective goes over to Janky's house, which isn't crime taped. Nothing's been moved out of this apartment of the serial killer. <laughs> Nothing. This apartment was not touched. Well, that's how what it kind, works, Mark. What kind know? of police officers are these? 
Well, based on that interrogation scene, I think you got your answer. Um, They're students. <laughs> They're all graduates of the of the uh, police academy. The, the actual police academy with Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, he's the one that trained them all. <laughs> <laughs> See, if if Lance Henriksen, I know we're talking about Henriksen month, but if he had not been in this movie, but instead it had been Steve Gutenberg playing Detective Mahoney <laughs> years later, haunted by an undead serial killer. Instant criterion for me. Oh my god, that'd be, be brilliant. That would be brilliant. His partner that dies is fucking high tower. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, our guy, our meat cleaver guy works really, really fast because his the partner in the flashback, we've got McCarthy and his partner. And they go investigating, and they're only separated for, like, not even 10 minutes. But in that time, Janky manages to chain up his partner and cut off his limbs um, <laughs> at some point. It was just that quick, apparently. It, without it, a bone saw. Ah, uh, yeah, without a bone saw. Well, he killed, like, 119 people with that thing, so he was very <laughs> expert. I loved that body count, too. It wasn't like it wasn't like 19 people or 20 people. No, he's credited with possibly killing over 119 people. <laughs> That's some Johnny Bartlett stuff. <clears throat> that, that truly is. I, you know, it, it, this, but again, that's just our two main characters, folks. We haven't even gotten to the family, which, you know, McCarthy might have been better off without him. <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but you had the wife who I understand she, you know, he was going through some trauma and she was trying to understand. Uh, but she really thought he killed the kid really quick. <laughs> I mean, she they find the body of the girl's boyfriend down in the basement and the cops immediately suspect him. And the wife is like, nah, he killed him. <laughs> like Holy in, in his defense, the guy's shirt was off. Of course he killed him. <laughs> well this was i kind of understand where she's coming from because yeah. this was after he had repeatedly assaulted her in their bed in the middle That's of the night true. and also after he in one of the best films in cinema history honestly he pulls out a gun and shoots the tv <laughs> <laughs> and the mom's like running to put her body over the kids well, she sees it coming ahead of time. Yeah, because there's a scene. They're they're watching a family. They're watching a stand-up comic. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, McCarthy goes into his hallucinations, which you have, uh, you know, in this film. And, and suddenly there's a janky on TV talking about killing people. Like a TV show, though. It's death a Deathathon, I think it is, or yeah. Killathon, or whatever it is. And yeah, he he brings out the gun, and they show the mom and the kids on the couch, and the mom sees it, and she's like, she she doesn't stop him. She goes and covers the kids. I'm not jumping in front of a gun that my hallucinating husband is wielding at the TV. That's... But you know, I did like the uh one of the jokes because he's going off like this vaudeville series of one-liners the one that i wrote down because i don't think i'd actually heard it before a lot of these things are hacked but this one was good uh you know my wife likes to talk after sex last week she called me from las vegas (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, so good. But you know, I went I, I, like uh, three quarters of the way through the movie. I paused it and I went and I look up the trailer on YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how did they market this movie? And it, it was awfully. But they were trying. Uh, what did they say? It said, "If you thought Freddy was a howl." And at that point, they cut to that stand-up comedy scene because it was very much the jokey Freddy. Right. And if you thought, and if Jason was a scream, wait till you meet Max. And then you go, <laughs> oh, like, no, this is never going to work. That's that's one of the worst parts of this movie is that giggle. I, after a while, it's like, shut up, please. Especially because they just, they keep, they get the longer, the, the further into the movie we get, the more we get that laugh. It's like Freddy Krueger has an iconic cackle, but this thing, it just sounds like one of the weasels from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> it does. That's where it is. I was trying to recognize where it came from. That you're right. That's exactly where it is. Uh, <laughs> we've got some comments. We're going to pull over to the side oh, for yeah, a moment and uh, grab a ball. If info bomb is with us, Robert bomb. And he goes too bad. James never uh, quite had a franchise. He supposed 48 hours is the only thing though. That is uh, hardly a franchise. Yeah, that's true. It, it kind of a franchise it, they only did two of them, I think. So, uh, and I admit in amazement in this being the only time B movie regulars, Henriksen and James Byron, appear in the same film together. That's true. Not only do they appear in the same film, this is one of the only films, I think, and Car, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, where both of these gentlemen are leads, like the main guys in a film. I can't think of another film where they're either one of them were like the lead lead. Not that I can think of, not <laughs> without taking a guess and being wrong. <laughs> Well, come on, Mark. We've talked about a few films during the Henriksen experience where Lance has been front and center. Are you talking about like mainstream movies He's, that people like, would have actually seen? Kind, kind <laughs> of, but even still, he wasn't like. I mean, this one we, we barely we we stick with him pretty much throughout. Either it's either him or Byron James uh, throughout the film, and the other ones we've talked about. Yeah, Lance is kind of the main character, but even in Savage Dawn, where he was supposed to be the badass. He's not top billing, and we don't always stick with him. We we go all over with some other characters. That's and true. I, I I'm seeing where you're coming from now, and I you, think you're you're right. You Although know, further down, Mr. Bomb's going to school us both. But well, well yes, there. he is. I'm I'm sure he is because the man knows so much. He's a warehouse of useful useful knowledge in the film world. Uh, and then he mentioned uh, might be overdosing on electricity, be akin to Wesley building up a tolerance for poison in Princess Bride. You can build up a tolerance maybe for poison, depending on the poison, but electricity, no, that just, that, that's not how the physics, I think, works. <laughs> I'm going to let the train run over my foot. Next, I'll let the train run over my leg. I'm going to work no, no, my way up to no, my arms. No, no, no. no, you start off with the grocery cart running over your foot. And then, then the and then you then you start with a bicycle running over your foot, oh, and I'm... then you start with a scooter running over your foot. You're then moving way too slow, Mark. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. I'm. I'm, I'm still hanging on to when does the ATV show up? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, building up that way. I, yeah. So that's the way the electricity. That I just I couldn't believe when he had his own electric, his own electric chair in his room. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you know, he's, where, he's not chewing on that? a lemon wedge while he's doing that, is he? 
No, I don't think so. No, I don't think he's chewing on it. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture good old uh, Meat Cleaver Max sitting in his chair at nights going, okay, I'm only going to give myself eight volts tonight. All right. Now 10. Whew, what a workout. You know, a week later, it's like, <laughs> I'm going for the whole 120. You know? Oh, gosh. Yikes. That's why he didn't have so much hair above him, I guess, because that all burned off as he was testing himself with his homemade electric chair, which wasn't in evidence. I'm sorry. This is he, he. The guy has gone through trial. He's on death row, goes to death row fairly quickly in the movie world, because that's what happens. Guys don't sit on death row for like 20 years. They immediately go to the chair and his whole apartment hasn't been touched by any cops. <laughs> Well, also, they, they would have shaved his head before they put him in the chair. Yeah, they I'm would have. I'm sure of that. But, but he still has that weird, oh, it was a ponytail or whatever was going on back there. Yeah. Well, you got to have something to catch fire, right? Desert uh, in the front, party in the back. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, Infobomb also says, stealing from Videodrome. Wow, I need to see the horror show more awake this time. I think I rented it one night in college and dozed off while watching it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll agree with that one. I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know this film existed. I was like, what? House three? What? And then I was like, I knew they made a house four, but I always thought they jumped from house one and two to house four being a joke because the series has always had kind of a tongue in cheek type of approach, even though the first one is the most scary and more horror driven. It's still been comic horror. Uh, for the house series. So I always thought they just skipped three and went to four. Well, that was, uh, that was one of the original concepts for Fletch lives. Right. Uh, Heavy chase wanted to call it Fletch three, just to confuse the, <laughs> confuse the hell out of people. <laughs> and then he asked, uh, which actor was from the Hulk uh, film? Uh, that was the detective, I believe that, in. It yeah. was not. I was just looking, was I was, I was oh. looking up on my phone because I saw that question coming. I want to be ready. I was wrong. It's just they look alike. The guy from ah. the Hulk was named uh, Jack Colvin. Oh, okay. And then the other guy was Matt something. Yeah. And this is the second film with Arquette and Byron James in it. They were both in Tango and Cash, which I do recognize and remember uh, indeed. And uh, yeah, also Robert Zadar was in Tango and Cash. And Petty is here with us. Hey, Petty. Hey, Petty. Greetings, stop by to say hello. Great review, although the quality of the film doesn't help much to do the review. I disagree. I think that the low quality of the film is making it a much fun, much more fun discussion. It, yeah, I mean, there's it's not exactly deep, especially considering how much they borrow from, including the furnace. They talk about Friday the you know, Nightmare at Elm Street, and literally they're stealing furnace scenes from uh <laughs> And randomly, I, I liked where the woman was looking for the cat in the beginning of the movie, and she runs into that furnace, and she's like, kitty, kitty, and then the furnace does something, she's like, kitty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what did you accuse the cat of doing? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I also like that, that there's a literal jump scare involving a cat jumping out of a closet. That's the kind of movie we're dealing with here. They threw the yeah. cat out, didn't they? <laughs> And the cat yeah. doesn't really show up until the end again when they find this box as the family's moving. They come to the happy resolution, you know, uh, and, and you're right. Infobomb. I've been saying, Byron, it's it's a uh, Brian, a uh, Brian James, uh, Brian, uh, after he's been dispatched because he's brought into the real world. And then he 
unloaded the gun unloads you know uh, our guy mccarthy unloads his gun on the guy uh now that he's brought into the real world kind of a la freddy grab him and wake up uh <laughs> they find the someone that's done that to me they find the cat in yeah. a box in the, from the basement i'm like where the f-? you know i had a cat okay he was an a-hole may he rest <laughs> in peace but i uh, we loved him but i'm like there's no way that cat would have just stayed in the box in the basement that entire time <laughs> because you wonder where the cat's been. This whole film takes place over a number of days and nobody seems to worry about where the cat is. Uh, <laughs> if, if my husband is shooting the TV, <laughs> if my daughter's boyfriend shows up dead in the basement, yeah, the cat's going to be like number 60 on the list, Mark. Yeah, but the cat should be chewing on the kid down in the basement. He was down there that long. Maybe the cat got lost in the really weird, like lit closet, like the the whole rack of clothes that's just like down there by the washing machine. Or I, I don't know what's going on with this basement, but it's very strange. I don't know either. <laughs> there's there's a cabinet with a double doors with, with with an alarm in it of some sort, some alarm hat. There next to that is the rack of clothing, and then there's the furnace. But the furnace is like in the middle of the basement. And yet in a corner, yet not, I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, the, the other house films, the layout of the house made sense. You could tell where things were. I had no clue where anything was. Well, you should have, Mark. We spend so much time going down to the basement. You should have a, a firm sense of the layout. We do go down to the basement a lot. Yes, we do. <laughs> And uh, yes, Infobomb does uh, school us. He uh, Henriksen was the lead in Piranha 2. You are absolutely right. Uh, and uh, I don't think Michael Jeter had his head shaved in Green Mile. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a movie trope. They, they either forget. Just like in real life, they don't not hood the person when they electrocute them. <laughs> as far as right. I'm aware. And in this one... Good old Brian, our meat cleaver, Max, he's out there for the world. He's not even behind glass. I mean, he's not in his own room or anything. He's just out there with the people to get fry. Uh, that close. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of jail cell is this? What kind of jail is this even? I don't know. <laughs> I just noticed, like, like it's the, the Walmart of jails. <laughs> they could, they can't afford a full execution chamber, so we just hook up the electric chair that also doubles as the cafeteria, I guess. Well, also, like the the doctor that they get comes in, and maybe it's just an '80s thing, but he's like wearing white sneakers. I'm like, come on, just get some professional <laughs> shoes. You're not Doc Hollywood or some nonsense. <laughs> and and Brian James, God bless him, but. I'm like, dude, I'm laughing. He's getting electrocuted and I'm just laughing because his eyes are crossing. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) and man, if I was in the, I'd just be laughing. I just, just, he plays it up. So almost not straight. I just, I I empathize with him because his eyes were rolled so back (laughs) far in his head. And I was like, I'm there with you, brother. (laughs) Uh, yeah i and uh oh he, bob also said matt clark uh had uh like cloven guested on a uh, rat patrol so yeah i, I mean rat patrol is, is that rat a patrol show? was a show 
uh, I believe, long time ago. <clears throat> Not a long time ago. Well, a long time ago, relatively. Um, but it was the, it was a series, I believe. There was um, a, a Disney, a Wonderful World of Disney original film from 1986 called The Brat Patrol. No, no, not starring not that, Sean no. Astin. I don't think no. that's what we're talking about here. No, we're talking no. the TV series from '66. Oh, uh, it, that was off yes, by 20 years. There was The Brat Patrol as well. Uh, was actually from Magical World of Disney in 1954 and '83. Oh, the, the the 80s one was a remake. Uh, well, it was based, I think it was based off of the show from 54. <laughs> Is it about uh, military brats? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, Why not, Mark? I, I don't know <laughs> these things. I, but, I, I like that all quick. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Kerr, do you, do you see at all any hint of where, Meet Cleaver Max could become the next horror icon. I mean, we're talking 89, so we talked about this last week. I, I know, unfortunately, you uh, uh, missed out on the pumpkin head, but we were talking about how they were trying to find the next horror icons. Is there anything about Meat Cleaver Max that would make him be the next horror icon into the 90s? I I don't see anything. that He's, he's not interesting enough. He doesn't really have any neat abilities, uh, a meat cleaver. He may as well have had a frying pan. <laughs> Could have been frying pan Frank. That would have been amazing. Frying pan Frank. Now there's a memorable killer. Yeah. The meat cleaver Max. That's like okay, meat cleaver. That's eh, okay. But frying pan. That that's a whole different level because that's like smashing and and pulverizing. That's not just chopping. Because you know, you can't bake an omelet without breaking some eggs. Well, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> a pretty line. Iron. Yeah, cast there iron. you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would have to be cast iron. Cast iron, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> and the frying pan kid. No, anyway. Ooh. <laughs> cast iron, Casey. It, it could be more like um, an angry housewife or something. Rigid Rita. Ooh. Rigid Rita. Rigid Rita. Wow. You could draw any number of of. Uh, images from that one. <laughs> well, you can, Mark. I'm going to well, move on gratefully. Okay, no. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, I'm the only one. Okay, sure. I like that. Rachel. Well, it's mostly because my mom's name is Rita, and I don't want to think uh, about that. Okay. Well, then, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and Infobob said Rat Patrol starred Christopher George of Enter the Ninja and Grizzly, and Eric Brandon uh, when he was Hans Budagast. So always got to love when actors change their names. Uh, speaking of changing their names, we've got two actors that we didn't talk about yet. Two characters, the kids, kids in quotes, mm. the, the daughter, Kara, what, what do you think of the daughter who is supposedly 17 going on 26? I'd, oh. I'd say she she's at least convincing at being youthful, but eh. <laughs> Still carry that 80s trend of casting 20-somethings as teenagers and not looking like teenagers. Well, I think part of that is to help when they have the inevitable shower scene, you know. Yeah, which you know, I it was one of it's funny because she was in here and it was like I had to pause the movie. I'm like, okay, how old is she actually? Uh, because I'm like, there's no way she's almost 18. And then I looked at when she was born, I'm like, oh, she's like 25. Okay, 
that's wow. for one. And uh, you know, then I'm watching it I'm like, okay, uh, you know, because that's uh, that's uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer mm-hmm. is, and uh, you know, I'm like sitting there, okay, maybe we will get away with not having. Uh, shower scene. Nope. Wait, there's the shower scene. <laughs> literally, literally, I'm watching the movie going, wow, it's an 80s movie with a teen female in it. And we actually haven't had any exploitation scenes so far. I'm like, oh, wow, that's and literally on cue. It was like, oh, no, there it is. Okay. Well, this is I mean, this for it's very tame for an 80s exploitation horror nude scene. It I is. wonder. I, I'm. I'm. I would think that it's probably kind of like what they did with um, Freddy versus Jason with Catherine Isabel in the shower because that was not her. It was a body double. Right. That was shot from above, and then they did the, like the close-ups on her face when she's like you know pulling the shower curtain. Whatever. They did the same thing here, so that's why I'm wondering if it was a a double it, as well. <laughs> because it's it, it's one of those scenes where, and I don't want to get all you know like horny old man, but it's like if you're not going to commit to it. And really, you know, then then why even have that in there? No, I get what you're saying, because and I I suspect it was a body double because it is shot down from the back. You do get brief glimpses, but then every shot of her afterwards is above shoulders and above. Yeah. So the way it's shot in that you're like, (laughs) okay, they they may may have used a body double most likely. Um, which, you know, whatever, it's just, it's just one of those things where I was like, almost, it was almost escaping that trope. And oh, there it was. Well, it's almost like they, they needed to make the runtime because you could have just had a scene where she's coming out of the bathroom, like wrapping a towel or something. Oh, she just got out of the shower, but no, we've got to show the shower scene, but not really show the showers. It's not like we're making psycho here where it's all artsy and shit. Well, (laughs) And then we, you know, we come to the because this middle part, it it slows down a little bit. And then we get to the final act where he's confronting he's, you know, our our detectives escaped fairly easily. Okay, this guy's in custody for supposed murder. And after he knocks out his buddy of many years, he manages his way out of the office fairly quickly, apparently, because he hops in his car and drives home because, you know, old meat cleaver max is going to go after his family and he shows up and his kid appears to be dead his son um son in quotes <laughs> um <laughs> and then you know his daughter at least they didn't show this okay that it's the implied assault from meat cleaver max that he raped the the daughter the way they play it cuz that's where he freaks out about the whole and then you get this weird pregnancy thing. <laughs> I I have no idea what's going on with this finale, but it, it's just like, what? Well, it's, you know, it's a gag so you can see Brian's face in her belly, yeah. the belly. But it just immediately made reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Revenge, where right. Freddy's coming through Jesse's stomach. I'm at least glad that they didn't go the route of Alien versus Predator Requiem, which to this day is one of the most tasteless things I've seen in a horror movie. And this is me talking uh, <laughs> where you've got the the pregnant, the maternity ward with all the pregnant mothers and they all simultaneously give birth to Predator alien hybrids. And you see everything. I'm like, this is disgusting. The, the, <laughs> what they did in this movie, I almost said shocker, but that's a totally different film quote unquote not um, really right 
uh, it's tame. It's tame. How many, Cara, how many movies have we had where the killer gets killed, but he comes back as a ghost? And and was it that, uh, not Ghost in the Machine, but, or was that Ghost in the Machine? There's so many of these in the late 80s. What was with this trend? Do you, can you, do you wonder what what's why were they going this route? Because it really became evident and rinse, wash, repeat. Uh, I I mean, supernatural uh, elements seem to have been a a big thing. Like you still had the Freddy Krueger and all this other stuff. Like, what mm-hmm. in the world is he? Um, right. I was looking through. Um, what is it? Uh, supposedly, what was it? Destroyer and Prison were named as as similar themes along the lines of this one as well. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of them in in during this time. I remember uh, watching. Uh, yeah, we mentioned Shocker. Uh, <laughs> there was that one. I, um, it confuses me because. This movie is is older, but it feels like a ripoff of Shocker because Shocker's not that great, but it's not that horrible. <laughs> no, it 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 isn't, and uh, I mean, it, it's it's one of the lesser films, but still, it's more entertaining than this one because at least that one I think had at least some rules. I mean, if you're gonna do a film like this, and we mentioned it earlier, uh, give us some kind of rules uh yeah prisoner uh, prison destroyer and shocker uh came shocker came out the same year um were all similar themed and i know uh you know it wasn't exactly the most original concept but later on there were even more films about a villain possessing you know whatever haunting a house or possessing things and it's like come on <laughs> i'm I'm not uh, big on serial killer archives, but it makes me curious. Like, was there somebody that had been executed in the the late 80s? Maybe that was the reason for this recurring theme. Well, I they were the focus. I mean, you know, killers were the focus for a lot. I mean, you did have a number of serial killers in the 80s, you know. Uh, you, you had uh, Richard Ramirez, you had, uh, you know, Doug and Clark Bundy, you had, of, of course, uh, you know, Dahmer, uh, who oh, Dahmer was the 90s. Well, he was he was discovered. And I mean, he was he they, they realized later yeah. on, I mean, you know, but yeah. he had been, you know, uh, so, I mean, serial killers were kind of coming into focus, I think that was kind of the next evolution for where horror films wanted to go. Because like you said, Cara, the the supernatural was done by itself. I mean, Freddie, you know, zombie Jason, eventually Michael Myers, uh, (laughs) you know, the, the killer who can't die sort of speak. So now we go into uh, the late eighties where you've got Chucky. You had the serial killer who, who possessed the body of a doll. You know, you get here, you get, uh, you know, Meat Cleaver Max possessing a house. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't hear that without thinking Mighty Max and totally different thing. <laughs> Mighty, Mighty Max Cleaver. I remember that Cleaver episode he had. They banned that from TV. Um, 
In Infobomb did mention that uh, Ted Bundy had been on death row before he got the chair in 89, he believes. So, yeah, I mean, that might have been it then. That's probably what kind of influenced this, you know, knowing that was coming up because he mentions Craven was a better filmmaker. And uh, well, in my opinion, than the hack who did horror show. <laughs> well, that's um, another thing that makes me curious because what was it? Cunningham began his career with Wes Craven. Right. Cunningham did a horror show. Craven did shocker, but it makes me curious, right. like who ripped off who, because there's so many, so many similarities between the, the two films. Plus why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, you know, it makes you wonder what the original script of the horror show looked like before they tailored it to try to make a new icon. Um, because it goes along with our pumpkin discussion, had discussion last week. There were so many later horror films where they were trying to, you know, create the new icon, even Shocker. You could tell they were trying to set up as like the new horror franchise icon. And none of those really took off except for maybe, you know, you could say Chucky is the only one who, but he went to the the uh comedy route to survive really the 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 more campy yeah. comedy route sequelitis order... yeah sequelitis i mean when you got a horror show and at one point one of their promo props is a a, a lab branded condom you know it, <laughs> okay you're no longer scary right bright uh you know was it a uh, uh bride of chucky was had the condom or a child i forgot uh, which one was the, they had that, but it was, it was making the rounds. I remember that. Um, but yeah, this is just a weird film. Aaron Eisenberg plays uh, the, the son in this. Uh, and he was <laughs> now he's supposed to play the youngest son in here. And he was like 18 or 19, but he was supposed to be younger than he was like supposed to be 12 or something like that. Jesus. <laughs> Well, I think he's a, a short. What they do? Uh, kick him every time he had to say lines. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure. I um, did, you know, I his gimmick was kind of cute. Where his thing was, he would uh, write to different products and say, "Hey, I found you know rat droppings in your cereal," and they would send him like a lifetime supply. Or whatever. At the end, it was chili. But you know, <laughs> let's talk about. I don't know what's up with this movie. It starts <laughs> off with these. You know, the opening credit sequence is these really loving kind of family barbecue, you know, it's it's a really idyllic kind of family situation. And at the end, you know, the, the daughter goes into the house to get something. She has to go into the basement. Fortunately, we don't follow her down there for once in this movie's, you know, <laughs> runtime. But she comes back out and I'm expecting like, oh, she didn't come up from the basement or she brought something dangerous up of the box. No, it was just the cat. And then they all stop and take a family photo. And it ends on this nice kind of hopeful moment. Like, this is not an 80s horror movie. What is this shit? I, I, I think the writer procrastinated two or three days before they had to turn this in. And they just wrote it hungover. <laughs> I, I well, think I, it might be onto something. I think it's just a chop shop job that they did trying to make this something other than you know trying to restart it versus making another house film you know um and i think that's where it's part of it because the tone is all over the place you at one point yeah you've got the kid part which uh yeah eisenberg i i was aware of that uh 
Robert, uh, that he did have a kidney problem, which stunted his growth. So he was 18 in this, but it was able to play the, the kid role of 12. Uh, okay. I, I pause there, Mark. I, yeah. Robert, how the hell do you know all this stuff? <laughs> he is. He's, he's just really the, seemed to know just about everything about the movies we talked about. Man. It's amazing. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know that. Now I sound really mean over that kicking joke earlier. Yeah. <laughs> But no, but I mean, it, at least, you know, it got him the roles and it got him a role in this. But he did, again, seem older than what he should have been. Um, but where the tone is all over the place is like you said, yeah, it opens with this family. OK, it doesn't even open with like foreboding family music. It's like mm-hmm. actually touching family music and and family video audio. And you're like, OK, and photos. And then we cut to him, uh, you know hallucinating into the furnace after he makes his rounds checking on his family um and he thinks back to the time when he busted the meat cleaver max who had he was hungry because he had all kinds of things cooking in his kitchen he had a head in the fryer he had a hand in the fryer he was big on fried foods Max should oh, fry I like the uh, the severed head on the plate with uh, with blue pl- uh, blue, blue plate, plate special, special. Drawn in blood because it was the head of a cop. That was really nice. Yeah. And he, did you catch this? I I don't know if this is a. Fl- I'm gonna call it a flub because this movie is so sloppy. If you were to ask the director or Alan Smithy uh, if it was intentional, <laughs> they'd probably say, "But of course," because that's the kind of artiste we are. At the end, when the scientist guy shows up with the severed head on the plate, mm-hmm. just out of the shot, you can see the top of the blue plate special in blood. Yeah. That was dripping. So like- they they just like. Hey, we got this shot. Uh, get 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 Jim in here. Put his head down there. We're gonna have this for later in the movie. They they literally did it both shots, but they didn't clear out the blue plate special part. Which I I don't know if they were trying to do that on purpose or like you said. I think it was just the same shot. And if it was intended to be in the shot, you could have read it. So they I think you're right. They just this will be great. We'll put him in there there the professor this time, and just we won't redress the set at all. Um, <laughs> See, here's here's how this whole professor, doctor, scientist, whatever character works. I earlier on, I thought I was watching a much smarter movie than I was because they keep setting it up that Janky can make people see things that aren't there. So yeah. basically cause these rifts in reality to manipulate people. You've got this really shifty, unhealthy-looking scientist guy who keeps talking to Henriksen's character about you've got to you've got to get him to this house. You've got to draw him in. You've got to electrocute him. That's the only way you're going to get rid of him. I thought that they were going to have it be a plant to where that scientist guy was actually a manifestation created by Janky to lure him back to the house so he could get electrocuted because that would be what makes him stronger or helps him fulfill this transformation or something like be this you know use him in this whole thing. Um, giving it a lot of credit that's but that's i that hope died down about five minutes after i had that thought because something really stupid popped in the screen i'm like oh it's that's that kind of movie either that or some double cross where he gets electrocuted and then he just becomes super stanky (laughs) that would have been the sequel had this movie uh gone anywhere i'm I'm convinced super stank super stanky yeah yeah stanky janky there we (laughs) go That's why he killed 119 people. <laughs> they kept That's a trauma him. film. That's a trauma film right there. <laughs> Robert Bob mentioned uh, this film 
makes Leviathan. Uh, oh, he was talking about Deep Star Six. He's like Tom Bray was later in Sean Cunningham's waterlogged horror film Deep Star Six. Don't bother watching it unless you really want to waste your time. <laughs> makes Leviathan look like a great film. Yeah, that was again one of those things where they were doing a lot of trends, and there was the water horror for a while. Deep Star Six. Uh, I, I like their gimmick though. It's uh, what was it? There, we're always looking at the sky to see what's beyond, but nobody ever looks below in the water. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great tagline. Absolutely. And uh, Hendrickson, wasn't he the lead in Aliens vs. Predator? And, and... No. no, no, he wasn't really the lead. It was uh, the, um, uh, I forgot. He, he the was, the, uh, was Sanaa Lathan. Yeah, Hendrickson you. was the protagonist in that movie. He was the, right. the inciting, or I guess the catalyst. Yeah. But he was not the main character. And neither were anybody else. Even the title characters weren't really the main characters in that film. That film, uh... Mark, I will not have you disparage Alien vs. Predator. Alien vs. Predator Requiem is totally fair game. But AVP is not that bad. Had it been an R-rated movie, I'm convinced people would give it a lot more of a, of a shot. Had it followed anything from the source material, it would have been better. Well, no, that's not true. <sighs> Had it been an adaptation of the comics, it would have been a completely different thing. But that's not the source material. The comics came out first, but it's not necessarily based on that. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> they, they I heard that was an unfair fight. There was human interference. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. true. That's very true. That's another debate for another time. You could you enjoy what you enjoy. No, no. Uh, a market debate is when there's two sides fighting against each other. Sorry. Oh, 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 it's not the first time I've been told I'm wrong on this show. Uh, <laughs> it's really not by me. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, uh, speaking of Silence of the Labs, a girl in the pit in the film was inspired by the savagery of the serial killer named Gary Heignick. And yeah, I mean, mm. horror films have always taken inspirations from real life things. More so later on, took from the killers. Leatherface, yeah. You know, uh, that's Ed Gein. Woo, Wisconsin represent. Ah, the Must be so proud. I, I am. I'm very also proud. Buffalo Bill. And Buffalo Bill, yeah. Yeah. There was also that worked in as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, and this one, I don't know. I was, some people say that this was one of uh, Henriksen's uh, better performances. I liked him better in Pumpkinhead. This wasn't so much a performance as a series of acting exercises. <laughs> I mean, like the the scene where, like later in the film, was just like going through the house and kicking stuff and knocking things over and swearing. I swear to God, I you could just have tagged that as him reenacting that footage from the Johnny Depp trial where he's in his kitchen, and I would have totally believed it. <laughs> uh, it was it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, but I don't know, I. He's very he's got a lot of expressions on his face that happen in this film throughout. Um, that's true. He does smile quite a bit when he's with his family. He's he kind does. of relaxed. That's nice. He he does, you know, smile and, and get the angry face and everything. But I, I just I liked I liked him better in Pumpkinhead. And I'll say I even liked him better in Savage Dawn than I liked him in 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 this film. And it may be the direction or the writing. I don't know. Car, what do you think of Lance's performance in this film? I, I think he he was probably one of the more seasoned ones out of everybody in this entire thing. Which, 
is unfair because I don't think even he could have carried this turkey across the street. <laughs> Speaking of turkey, we didn't talk about the turkey. Oh, yes, the turkey scene. Yes. Yes. Tell us, Ian, about the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting down to dinner and... He, he hallucinates that the turkey that they're about to carve up comes to life and it gets uh, Max Jenke's face on it. This was, we've been talking about Nightmare Elm Street. I think this was like something I would have seen in Elm Street 4. I thought the yeah. effect, although it was kind of goofy, was pretty well done. And it's really disturbing because it's like half Jenke face and half turkey, but the Jenke face is coming out of like the side profile of the turkey's head. So the beak is sort of coming out of his, the top ear. of his head yeah, yeah. or his ear. Yeah. Like it's, it's not creepy. It's goofy looking, but it's at least inventive, but then he has to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's after you get the image of his family dead, which he, you know, and, and then, you know, our, our cop guy keeps it together no, no, he doesn't. He takes a knife and he literally <laughs> murders the already cooked turkey with this huge butcher knife, scaring the family like wholeheartedly. Like they're just like, "What the hell, Dad?" <laughs> and, yeah. And I would have just said, "Oh, I just I thought I saw it moved." <laughs> no, but uh, you know, play a joke or something. But... I'm surprised he didn't take out his gun and threaten to shoot. I was expecting it. I was so. <laughs> Because this was after he shot the TV. I was fully <laughs> expecting him to shoot the turkey. I, I fully expected him to take the gun out and shoot the turkey. Um, I, I want to see a remake of this movie from the family's point of view. Just watching, like, take out all the illusions. Just watch Lance Henriksen walking around, pulling out his gun. <laughs> <laughs> and knife. And yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, a couple more... Uh, comments here we've got petty who says today ian is very sharp everyone be careful uh ian, ian is always sharp it you know it just depends on how much we want to sheathe him no wait that came out wrong but <laughs> talking about chucking yeah. condoms i don't know where this uh, is <laughs> <laughs> and robert bob says hendrickson can make anything worthwhile even though in an interview in premiere he said he hated all the work he did prior to aliens wow wow well, I do know too that he didn't he didn't quite care for Pumpkinhead either. He thought it was, I, I think, too goofy, if I remember correctly. Am I right, Kara? I I don't know his sentiments on the film. I just I really like Pumpkinhead. So. Oh, <laughs> I, I I think he thought it was a little too goofy. I forgot the exact uh, interview with it, but uh, you know, still I like him I, in that. Oh, oh go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think the only goofy part of it was the where the guy in costume forgot to take off his sneakers, and you can see. <laughs> I missed that. I did. I missed that, too. Now I want to almost I almost want to go back. and it, Pumpkinhead wasn't bad. We talked about last week that it, it was more entertaining than we thought it would. It just not quite there for me, but it was it was still more interesting by far than this film. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I've I've seen it a handful of times. And this is the first time that I watching it for the show that I actually kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, it just took a while. It just it, it grows on you, but this one I don't think it, there's too there's too many similarities to other films before it and when it came out that same year that this it film doesn't do it quite as good. You could tell 
it got chopped up. You could tell why it went through two different directors. Um, you know, it, it one director got fired just before production, I believe, and so that's why they got the other guy, uh, who did one of my favorite Jason films. So I don't understand it. it it's got to be the script. He did Jason X. That wow, it was that James, James Isaac. Yes, he did Jason X, <clears throat> and he did the special effects on Existence. Uh, unfortunately he passed away, but he also directed, he only did like five, uh, four films. He did Jason X, the horror show, Skinwalkers and pig hunt. Um, but I love Jason X. Jason X is great. So oh, it's yeah. gotta be the script because he, he directs that very well. This one, not so much. And he hadn't directed too much. So it's like, it's gotta be the script with this film. It just, one of those, the studio should have left it alone, and it probably would have done better, at least in a cult or horror circles. But, you know, I don't know. Cara, can you recommend this film at all? No. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you hate yourself. <laughs> wow. That's a tagline right there. <laughs> if you hate yourself, watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> woo. I like it. <laughs> nice horror show the last movie you'll ever see <laughs> the reason why it's called the horror show it's it's horrific it's horrifically written uh, there's there's no amount of substance you can take beforehand that will make this movie tolerable yeah that's that should be in the ratings box that's, right that's the R. ratings box instead of a letter rating it's what substances you should take before seeing the film <laughs> all of with them. milligrams written right next to them <laughs> Or grams, depending. We are talking the 80s here. Uh, <laughs> Ian, what about you? Can you recommend this one at all? Yes, but only as a curiosity. I mean, it's not that right. exciting. It's just it's just fascinating to see, you know, 88, 89. This was like kind of the peak of horror movies. There's like a million of them. And not all of them were, were worthwhile. And sometimes people tried to capitalize on the success of like the franchises like the big boys like we've talked about freddie jason pinhead leatherface michael myers and they some when they fail they fail spectacularly and that's the <laughs> case here with uh max Jenky. i mean horace pinker is a goofy name but it's at least you know cooler than max Jenky. <laughs> and that horace yeah. pinker was the killer in shocker played by mitch pelleggi who would go yes. on to be great in the x-files i love mitch Unfortunately, yeah. this movie's just a slide down a chocolate slope. <laughs> Pretty yes. much, yeah. It, it, with like uh, the peanuts along the way to cut you up on the way down the, <laughs> the drain. I, I'm, I'm usually the guy who could find bright spots in most films, and in this one, I have to agree. Out of curiosity, and if you want to watch all the house, quote unquote, house films, you could watch it as part of the series House Four was better than this one and the other two films were best. pizza. Yeah. Yeah. That already makes it better than this film. This film doesn't yes. have singing pizza. It Here's a question because I I have not seen House 4 and mm -hmm. I haven't I guess I've seen House 3 but to me is there's no one from this movie that who is from Cheers. We got John <laughs> Ratzenberger and was in the second one and, and George Went was in the first one, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So unless you've got like a Kelsey Grammer cameo somewhere or fucking even I'd sell for Lilith, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't believe this has any. No, there's no need to put a house label on this. No, no, it's it's makes me really wish I could see the original script, what it 
was involved because, you know, I, you can kind of see glimpses of it that maybe they were playing at the detective moved into this house and he starts seeing the ghost images of uh, Janky, but it stays within the house that would follow with at least the same rules as the other two house films in that in the first one, William Katz character sees his buddy from Vietnam you know, but it's within the house. The guy never like leaves the house or hallucinates outside of the house. Um, you know, and there's demons in that. Uh, and in this one, it's missing that it, it's kind of, you know, and I'm wondering if that part's got cut out, you know, maybe we had a dead cat part at one point. Um, well, the other two house movies, you at least, it was all inside the house, but by going into any room, you could wind up in, the old west wherever, or the jungles yeah. of nam mm-hmm. or whatever this one at the very that's end what made it fun right yeah at the very end we go to that boiler room and then the power plant or whatever but the rest of it like i said we go if every i could forgive the whole basement trope like going down there 10 times if every time you went down the stairs you wound up in some somewhere other else yeah 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 it, so maybe they the should have climbed again. into the furnace <laughs> i certainly it? wanted to by the end of the movie <laughs> And on that note, we will definitely end it. Thank you to all our live, our fine live viewers. Appreciate every one of you tuning in. Infobomb always dropping the infobombs and Petty showing up as well. Always glad to have you here. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, some great stuff li- lined up. I uh, just want to give a shout out to uh, Jameson Frey. I hope I pronounced the last name right. Left a comment. A very interesting comment about Pumpkinhead. Very extensive. And uh, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Hopefully you uh, tune in again. But we appreciate the comments always. That's why we have them here. uh, To get that other opinions besides our own. Uh, Thank you, Ian and Cara, for being here. License to Shill is now yours. The floor is yours. Cara, uh, by all means, uh, please shill away. Okay. I still don't have anything new I'm working on, but as always, I always have tons of reviews up on my YouTube channel, Horror Retrospective. Uh, If you're into 80s or 90s stuff, some classic horror, some obscure horror, you can definitely find something there if you have an open mind. (laughs) Yeah, you can. I I love the videos. Always interesting stuff, what pops up there and what you can find, and especially me being a fan of retro uh, uh media and horror especially uh, uh yeah some great stuff there and ian oh go ahead oh oh no i was gonna say and i also did do the entire house series so i there you I go yep, myself going through all four <laughs> you went through all four you can stop it too but you can do all four if you're a completionist and... i didn't know any better <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh i i do remember that yeah i remember watching those uh yeah the first two are fun you know it was one of those things where i i watched those two quite often the first two they were so different yet in the spirit of the same way you know they had some fun uh, cameos and such and this film took the fun out of the entire series it it's a punch in the gut. It is. It really is. If you watched all of these movies together, you'd be like, what the hell happened? <laughs> you know, there's a budget here, kind of. Um, Just skip this one and go straight to four and the flow yeah. is more concise. They do. They flow a lot better. This one is just a, like a speed bump to them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and Ian, sir, go ahead, sir. Uh, license to shill. Well, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which you can find at Kicking the Seat on YouTube. Uh, this week, I'm actually back. I am <laughs> had a bit of a lull last week, but uh, I've got three shows coming out. One dropped today. It was uh, a retrospective on the movie Minority Report with uh, film critic Armand White. Yes, that Armand White. Um, and strangely enough, Minority Report... If you've ever seen, have you seen that film, gang? Oh, yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, yeah. in the opening scene, there's the couple, the, the family that is sort of the, the people, the, the guy is gonna kill his wife, yeah. and that's what activates yeah. the pre crime team. The guy, the husband, is Ari Gross, who is the star of House Two, the second story. Oh, there you go. Hey, um, yeah, and then tomorrow I'm coming out with a show with uh, Pat McDonald on a 1970 film with Robert Redford called Little Faust and Big Halsey. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, you've heard of it. I'd never heard of this. Movie I've heard before. of it. I haven't watched it. I've heard of it. Uh, you, you catch it mentioned occasionally. Yeah, uh, interesting. It's a trip. And then yeah. sometime later in the week, I'm coming out with a double feature of Son of Hammerland, talking about the plague of the zombies and the reptile with Aaron Christensen. Ooh, that's all my showing. Nice. Nice. And uh, yeah, folks, uh, if you are interested, check out our Patreon this week. I had one of Earth's Mightiest Critics from Ian's show on, Mr. Uh, uh, Johnson, uh, Will. He uh, was on my show and we talked uh, the crimes of the future. The new one, the 2022 one. It was That's his favorite film of the year, right? It's so his favorite film of the year so far, which uh, we talked about. I, it, it was close. It was really I, I dug it. It's my it's my jam, that type of movie. So um but yeah you can check that out on our patreon this week uh and yeah i got reviews coming and all kinds of fun stuff and we're gonna announce it ian took a stab last week and he stabbed black roses for next month's horror of 1988 so i came up with this series called killer concert with a k for concert and the schedule is up on Special Mark Productions, as well as our pages of what movies we will be covering next month, including Rock and Roll Nightmare, Hard Rock, Zombies, of course, Black Roses, and uh, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat will be next week is where we're going to be kicking off our Killer Concert Month. So uh, stay tuned for that. It'll be a rocking good time as we take a look at some of that Satan music that inspired so many horror movies. Uh, so it should be fun. So thank you so much, folks. Please check out uh, my guest stuff. And if you're bored, check out our stuff, too, on SpecialMarkProductions.com. And now I would just say a good night, everyone. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Just
You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more Spoiler Room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash Special Mark Productions site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet Spoiler Room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.